Earshot with Steve Martin. Great radio production and the people who make it. It's all here because this is Earshot. Yes, hello, I'm Steve Martin, Ambassador of Radio. Pleased to meet you. And this is the first Earshot show after our all-female Women in Imaging edition with Stephanie Hurst. How does one follow Stephanie Hurst? I'm feeling a lot of pressure in this seat today. (laughs) Sarah Hashem is here. You were running the studio for that show. I was. I was very lucky to be engineering that show. I didn't know what we were talking about and it was um, a really interesting podcast and a real privilege to be able to listen to such talented women talking. And for me, well, it was rather wonderful to have a proper presenter host the show for once. Uh, I'm much more at home in the editor's chair than this one. And your reaction has been lovely to read. If you have been in touch as a result of that show, thank you so much. Um, Sarah, you've got an email there from one listener. I have. So, here's the letter. I've just finished listening to this magnificent podcast. I recently started working part-time within Bauer, learning station imaging and show production. My team consists of six males and just two female imaging producers who are based in Scotland, whereas I'm based in Manchester. Being 18 and working within a team of 30-plus-year-old men, I feel intimidated at times and rather worried at the fact that there's not many women in this field, and perhaps there's a reason for this. It really does scare me at times, but after listening to this podcast, it brought to my attention the fact that there are women in this industry, truly amazing, talented women, which spurs me on to make my mark in the industry. Well, I think if we've encouraged somebody just to have a little bit more confidence in their work and in their position in creative production, then the job's done, yeah? Absolutely. It inspired me listening to that podcast. I've been working in radio for nearly 10 years and just listening to those women talking about their journey and playing their work really inspired me. Lydia, thank you, because the letter was from Lydia. Thank you for writing into Earshot. Really lovely to get your email. Thank you. And if you want to hear that podcast, if you haven't heard it, it's called Women in Imaging. You can get it at earshotcreative.com. And joining us from Stoke-on-Trent, come in live, Stoke-on-Trent, Outside Source 2, Rick Loins and Dan Sievers. Hello. Hello. Hello there. You're right. Hello both. Now, Rick, you're the group commercial producer and Dan, senior creative copywriter at the Wireless Group. Correct, yeah. So I produce for uh, the the whole network of local radio stations that we have. Um, and Dan here um, writes for Signal 1 and Signal 2, which uh, is where we're based. That's brilliant. And do you know where we're based in London today? Sarah and I are in the Marconi Room, named after the radio pioneer himself. What, what would Marconi make of the kind of radio you're doing? Oh, who's going to answer? Oh. <laughs> we looked at each other there. Um, He'd think it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. He'd probably buy a carpet. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, listen, it's great to have all three of you um, with us. This is the Earshot podcast where it's all about meeting creative people who are working in radio promotion, imaging, and today commercial production, but critically talking about the work that we do in these fields and hearing some of it. And we're going to start today with Sarah... At Maple Street Studios. Just give us an overview of the kind of commercial production work you do in your role. Um, At Maple Street, we make radio ads for stations all over the country as well as internationally. We also make ads for streaming services like Spotify and Deezer. So there's a lot of commercial production day to day. It's such a broad variety of clients. It might be a national charity, it might be a local hospital completely across the board, retail, any sector you can think of, we pretty much make ads for. 
You've got a range of skills within that company that can be brought to play in commercial production. Just give me an idea of some of the other skills that you've got in that building. We also have a, a media planning and buying side of the company. So we're, it, I always think that Radio Works in Maple Street feels like a radio station. I was nervous that I would leave my job in radio and come to London and have to wear a suit and have to be a real grown-up. But Maple Street and Radio Works, it feels like a radio station. We have, the, like I say, the media planning and buying side. We do work with video, anything that we can creatively that's, that's fun. Because your background is in commercial radio. Exactly. I spent um, almost 10 years at initially at Galaxy in Manchester, which then became um, Capital Manchester and XFM. So a lot of time in the northwest. OK, Sarah, um, let's hear some audio that you've brought along before we have a chat about uh, your approach to work. Uh, what's the first item? Well, the, the first item, I'm not sure if it's a cheat to bring a demo, but this job made me really happy to make. It's an example of really great writing for my colleague, Nikki Marinovich, and it was an, a chance to create a real soundscape, to use humour and to kind of tie in with branding that this brand is already known for. So, yeah, see what you think. Right, everyone, this is Tony. He's here today to talk to you about his Marmite addiction. Does anyone have any questions? You look really tired. Well, once you have Marmite on the brain, you don't get much sleep. How long have you been addicted? Since last January. We needed to do a big shop. The cupboards were getting bare and I, well, I fancied a sandwich. That's when I saw the jar. Why is your finger brown? Thomas! No, he's fine. He needs to know the truth. That's my dipping finger. Marmite addiction. Don't suffer in silence. Click the banner now. <laughs> Fabulous. Nice. Just tell us about the call to action there. Click the banner now. Where was that so planned to be? That's a demo for Spotify. And, and the call to action for Spotify generally tells viewers or listeners they can normally see a banner. So the call to action is to click the banner for more information. Um, obviously, radio tends to be a URL or a text code. Mm. But this was a really fun piece of work. It's great. I always love adding humour into radio ads if we can. And Marmite is, is the kind of brand where you can kind of push the boundaries a bit with the whole love-hate thing. Um, there's something brilliant about involving kind of kids within, with a Marmite addict and we think that it came together really well. Humour's tricky to get right, of course. Dan, I'm interested to know how ready are your clients to risk the use of humour in their campaigns? Um, it's, it's probably one of those more difficult things when you I, I love I love it when you always speak to a client and they go oh I'd like I love the funny adverts I want something like that and you're trying to almost run as a a comedy writer so it, it's it's great to incorporate it clients always get on board there's very very rare instances that I've had clients that have zero sense of humor and they just <laughs> will not let us get away with it yeah I, I'm, I've got solicitors that comes to mind that just did not get a joke uh, but yeah, it, it's something that just it appeases to every listener. Everyone likes to just laugh along and just get involved. So clients love to to have a bit of humour in everything. It's a softer sell. Mm, yeah, but it is always really difficult. I find balancing people's expectations with what they can achieve within the timeframes when they have commercial needs as well. It's really fine, really fine thing to balance. I'm just trying to imagine that conversation between you and the lawyer as you explain the joke. <laughs> yeah, it was awkward. It's never good if you have to explain a joke, though, is it? That's when it's fallen flat, truly. Dan and Rick, you at Wireless Group in Stoke-on-Trent, it sounds like you get really close to your clients. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that we want to always 
do is just get the client involved immediately from the start. We want to make them feel part of the process because it is a fun process. I've, I've, one of our, our main competitors is probably the press, and to them, they see it as a, a, a four by eight advert, very dry. Uh, whereas us, we want it to be fun. They want to still have that excitement of radio and getting them in, showing them around the building, getting them to meet presenters, and then getting them involved in what their their, their business can sound like. A lot of them haven't had a chance to even consider their, their brand on air. And, and what we can do is we give them a chance to experience what radio can be like for them and get them on board and get them interested in the media. So how do you manage the relationship between you, the client, and your sales team? I'm there to excite people about ideas. I'm never there to sell anyone anything. And yet, at the same time, I seem to sell things off the back of that. Uh, It is ultimately the creative-led sell, as the phrase goes. Uh, I mean, the sales guys will be trying to think creatively in respect to the airtime breakdown. We'll be trying to think of creative ideas. And what we try and do is we try to get people excited about what we can do. It's, it's, a, it's a fun medium and we want to get people involved in that fun. I think great salespeople value creative. The best salespeople that I've worked with totally get creative and will bring creative into the conversation at every opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I think one thing we really, we, we're trying to um, foster more and more is that, um, you know, tangibly collaborative experience from start to finish in everything we do and that is with uh, producers, writers, uh, clients being fully collaborative uh, from the very start and getting people excited about ideas from the very start I think um, always you know, fosters and grows better ideas but actually practically speaking when you're further down the line you're not going to start hitting against things that aren't going to work all of a sudden because you're all really on the same page all the way through and that's definitely our aim these days and we're trying to get more and more towards that. Sarah, how early in the process do you get involved? We like to get involved as early as possible um, rather than being given a a schedule and being told we need a one voice 30 second ad. We'd rather sit down and talk to a client about what they need to achieve with their campaign, who their client is, what the best what the best tone of voice would be, how we can fit how we can fit our radio advertising in with like you say with print or with billboards so that we can make the branding work across multi-platforms um so for us the earliest we can get in to talk to people and also because we are really passionate about creative you immediately get a sense that you're dealing with people who care about your product and care about a really good result you know a good result for the client and their hard-earned money is a, is a good result for us as well but do you get to meet the, the client because a lot of um, advertising booked through london agencies mm-hmm. uh, is done in such a way that the client is one step removed you you know the closest you'll ever get is perhaps to a third-party creative agency their buying team their creative team uh, and never the client themselves. That is a real challenge with the agency creative, absolutely. But again, those brilliant salespeople will involve you because they understand that the end result depends on how those early conversations go. So it may be that we don't get to meet people until they come in and we record their audio. But at that point, you know, we've had phone calls, we've had conference calls. We try and kind of involve ourselves, like I say, as early as we can. So Rick and Dan, you must be able to walk into some businesses and um, pick up some direct insights about how they work. Yeah, it's, it's, we're always um, trying to get in there face-to-face. It's, it's impossible, I think, to in a brief given to us by a salesperson to really 
explain the emotion behind the business, the the feel as you walk in the door, the ambience. These are the sort of things you, it's great to pick up um, as, in first hand. Um, and that's what we try and pick out and try and use. There was a, a client the other day that had, um, uh, it was a slogan they'd used on a, a piece of art on one of the walls. And after I registered it and they actually said, yeah, that's one of the slogans we go by. That's something that means something to us. And I could then uh, twist it slightly and incorporate it into the advert because it was the emotive feel of their brand. Well, we're going to hear some examples of uh, your work in just a while. Um, But first, Sarah, you've brought another piece of uh, work along to play. This is real audio, not just a demo. Um, So this is for a client called Insure and Go, a great client for Maple Street. They came in initially to talk creative before they, I think, even knew they were going to go on the radio um, just to sort of see what we could what we could do to sell ourselves. I think they had a really negative impression of radio in the past. They felt that it was a very shouty, pushy medium and they're a much more laid back, subtle brand. Um, So it was convincing them that we could convey their message about holiday insurance without it being stuffy or boring or shouty. And just kind of through meeting them and looking at the social media work they do, they have blogs. So people within Insure and Go will write blogs about travel, about fascinating insights that you'd never think of. So we decided to take this, take the um, the audio from the bloggers, well, the blogs themselves, and twist them and turn them into radio campaigns. Um, so you'll hear the outcome. We think it's worked really well. This is Nick from Insure and Go. Everyone loves pizza, don't they? Well you might not like what they do to it in Chicago. Not only is their pizza shaped like a child's swimming pool, so deep pan it's actually got sides, but the tomato sauce goes over the top of the cheese and other toppings. Everyone I've ever met knows that the cheese is supposed to be above the sauce, but somehow this important detail has failed to reach Chicago. For more travel trivia and travel insurance, of course, visit Insure and Go. Take us away with you. That was very naturalistic, wasn't it? It's really unusual and it stands out a mile in an ad break, which is another kind of brilliant bonus to it, the fact that it's dry. The main, the blog there is read by Nick, who is um, an employee of Insure and Go. Um, the top and tail matches their sponsorship branding on TV. Some of the the lines within the blogs are also featured on the billboard advertising and it just ties everything together and radio has worked tremendously well for them and we're really really proud we all know and especially you Sarah know the importance of choosing the right voices and uh you know if if you if you're representing your company with a man shouting it's instantly I mean these days especially less believable uh and I think we all know at the moment there's definitely a trend of more natural um deliveries in advertising and I, th- I think the more that goes, that you know, the more that is becoming the norm. Um, it's almost about what uh, people think radio should sound like. That's that's something we face when we when we go to a client. They kind of feel like they should sound like the stuff that's already there. Um, so it's about kind of breaking that cycle and having those brave um, clients who are willing to take that chance as well. I think as well, it's easier than ever for people to just change radio station if they don't like something. And if your ad is jarring and annoying and, I mean, there's a, don't get me wrong, there's a time and place for repetitive jingles and they can work, absolutely. But if your ad is, if the voice is wrong, if the message is wrong, if the tone is wrong, it's easier than ever for people to switch off. Yeah, and I think that's something it's easy to forget when you work in advertising is actually a lot of people want to skip past the adverts. People have things that they, 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 they already know things, they've got it in the palm of their hands if they can't know it. 
And so people are more willing to to learn, to experience. And so it isn't always about just selling to them. It's about enticing them with more information. If they can learn from an advert and develop from an advert, then it isn't really an advert and they don't see it that way. Well, let's learn from you now, because uh, the first uh, audio story that you brought along is... uh a Nissan garage. What's the story behind this piece of production? Yeah, this is a client, uh, as I I sort of harked earlier to the idea of a brave client, these guys are great because um, these are the kind of people we can go to and uh, bring them in early, bounce ideas off them, and they're really up for having fun with what they do. It's uh, Chorley Nissan, they're a, a Nissan garage in Wigan. Myself and the writer in this particular instance, we'd bounced ideas back and forth before we even put anything under the client's nose on this. Because it's such a production-heavy project, we didn't get any of those situations where I've got a script in front of me and I go, oh dear, we can't do that, that's not going to work, and we have to start backtracking. It was very, very smooth process. I like this one because it's kind of got a bit of everything. It's, It's a memorable concept. It's pretty ambitious in its production uh, with the the voiceover style and the humour. It's got a clear message. Um, yeah, it's one, one I enjoyed making. A fleet of ultra-modern machines have landed in Wigan. Meet the Leaf. Electric engine, low mileage, car of the future. Available now with motability. Hold up, hold up. That true? The Leaf on motability? Yeah. One sec. Mum, Mum, I found you a car. Yes, it's on motability. In Wigan, yeah. Yes, I'll be round for tea. Mum, listen, I'll have to call you back. I'm in the middle of a session. <laughs> Sorry, lads. Parents. <clears throat> the Nissan Leaf, now available on Motability. Opposite Wigan Pier. Office subject, high-rate disability allowance. Oh, hang on. Mum? That was part of a bigger campaign. I think we did seven or eight of those. Uh, in You know, in the similar sort of style. Breaking the character... Um, but even just using those kind of effects like the phone effect and the you know the interference, the stuff, it's all the stuff that just makes it jump out from your standard 30 seconds of shouting with a bit of music under it. The thing I loved about it is that we had so much fun with it, yet um, the writer, David Scott, was very, very clever in concisely getting their sales message across. Yeah, I wondered how hard you had to work to get the clients to agree just to be that single-minded about the motability message. Yeah, that is um, the result of a long-standing relationship of trust that has built up slowly and surely. You know, it started probably with 30 seconds of shouting about everything they think you need to know about and putting their number in twice and all of that. It's a slow and sure process and a relationship that's been built up over time to the point now where we can do a campaign with them and they can trust us and they're getting results from it. And if they have got another sales message, well, you can sell another spot. Yes, quite. (laughs) (laughs) I really like the audio. I especially like that the caveat you've done in the same style voice as well. That means it kind of blends in. It's really nice. Yeah, that's that's something um, that's pretty key to me in terms of any chance I can get to characterise a caveat I will do it. That's really nice Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's a bit of a sticking point in, in what we do but if you, in some of the other ads the caveats were still quite a bit longer but still getting the chance to characterise it like that just um, keeps it creative, doesn't jar the ad, I think that's probably one of the biggest problems creatively yeah. with caveats is that it's jarring and just kills the mood Definitely, it flowed really well, I really liked it 
Well, of course, Radio Centre has been lobbying in Europe for a change in legislation on caveats and T's and C's. And a little bit later in this podcast, we'll be hearing from Claire Bowen with an update of how that work has been going. So thank you for the lead in to that link there. (laughs) As smooth as you like. Uh, Dan, you've brought something along to play. Uh, This is one of those weird ones, because I think if I remember rightly... Uh, this was, came off the back of a meeting I had with the client around about probably the 20th, the 21st of December uh, to go on air from Christmas Day uh, to, to targeting this particular market of kids opening uh, electric goods, like mobile phones and iPads and everything on Christmas Day. And it's becoming a very big issue that parents think, great, I'll buy this for little Timmy. And they never think of what can happen, the consequences of children suddenly being accessing, being able to access online and any of the terrors that that can come with. So it sort of goes a little bit against what we say about um, about trying to... I mean, the client was involved, but about trying to take time on creativity. This was one of those ones where it was a little bit of a rush job, but I think we still managed to get the, the idea across. And it went on to win the Vox Award Regional Commercial. Best Regional Commercial. Best Regional Commercial. You're right, you should know. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad you remembered. Lol, that's awesome. You're so funny. We'd be great friends. Why don't we... Meet up sometime. It'll be fun. Who's your child talking to online? If you've brought a phone, tablet or laptop for them this Christmas... Have you thought about safety yet? Talk to them about their activity online and ensure you have parental guards in place. For advice, visit signal1.co.uk slash safe. Well, a really important message to get out for, uh, I'm sure any parent would would agree. And uh, as a parent myself, I like the way that you haven't made that too menacing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was it. I didn't didn't want it to be too overly threatening. It's got to, because we're still a family station. We don't want to terrify people. Um, I forgot to mention that was produced by uh, Tice Brame as well, who's uh, not here at the moment. It's when you do stuff with the police or for council or these sort of community messages, I think writers secretly love them because they're ones where you're sort of stepping away from the sales message and it's that little chance to, to get put in all your creativity into one key message that hasn't got to say lots of prices or deals or anything. So we all get a little bit more excited about these messages, even when they're a little bit negative. And when you're working with local advertisers, what kind of feedback do you get on the results of campaigns? Do you create the kind of post-campaign analysis that we'd be used to seeing from a a large agency? Um, Yes and no. I mean, it's one of them that often, you know a campaign works when someone rebuys and you know a campaign doesn't work because they'll tell you. (laughs) Um, So we tend to get the negative side. Uh, which is it can be quite disheartening, but at the same time, when you we've we've got clients that have been on air for well pro- probably just as long as the station, um, we've still got some of their adverts on reels upstairs, and when you know that they are still so committed to radio that they want to continue working with you, then that's the positive feedback that you want. Now, I know you've been working, as you've been demonstrating, with some amazing clients and creating some great work for them. Uh, but I know you also you keep a catalogue of bizarre things that clients say to you. And I wonder whether, Rick and Dan, you'd like to share a few of those <coughs> with us today. Now, we'll be doing this off the top of our head. Do you remember mm. them, Dan? It's uh, Oh, there's a favourite of mine. Uh, client voiced ad, producing the ad, 
sending it to them, it coming back with the feedback from the client, can you make me sound less miserable? Great, <laughs> great. Mm. Yeah, well, there's a little knob on the desk for that, isn't there? Yes, yes, yeah, <laughs> on the newer ones anyway. Yeah, We had a, a client who we pitched the advert to, to sound like Sean Bean and their feedback was it sounded too much like Sean Bean. Great. Fantastic. Perfect. <laughs> We've got post-its at work of funny things that clients say. Um, top of my head, I've got, um, that was that sounded like a bustle. We really asked for a rustle. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> which is just like perfect. And then another one in a session, which I was just engineering at the time, so I, don't, I wasn't involved in the direction. Um, client says to voiceover, okay, that was an eight. I was really hoping for a six. Whoa. <laughs> Isn't it great? And I just sort of look at the voiceover and do sort of I'm really sorry eyes. And yeah, <laughs> dial it down two, please. And my favourite direction I heard in a voiceover session was, yeah, lovely, exactly the same again, but better. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I remember that that cliched one that um, I know it was a, it was a parody video where it's like, well, can you can you make it sound slower but also quicker? <laughs> and I actually, it though, doesn't it? yeah, it I've, I've had a client say that, can, can you slow it down a bit, but also add in more content um, with, unless we can change the concept of time and reality. No, I think, I, I mean, it's funny, but I mean, some of it is just, um, w- and I say this with absolute love, it's some of it is a little bit of ignorance and not fully understanding the craft of voice, uh, and what comes with it really. And, um, I think there's a constant battle in trying to know when to, uh, bend over backwards for them and make the changes and go, no, we we do understand what's best here and you're mm-hmm. going to kill your content by making these changes. Uh, and, you know, it's, I think that's a battle we come up against every single day, really. Yeah. And the truth is there are compromises to be made in production every day, aren't there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's you know, uh, creatively, you've I think you've, you can't hold things too close to your chest, you know, you can't be too precious mm-hmm. because there will just be times where you might really, really care about something. And sorry, you played the demo earlier. You know, I've got a whole load of demos that I've thought are absolutely wonderful and fantastic and they don't go anywhere. Um, There's Mm. been ones we've pitched to uh, certain clients, you know, big, big clients and uh, really got excited about them and felt we might win the national um, campaign here and they just don't go anywhere. (laughs) And it, it, it can be upsetting, but you have to develop a thick skin or let it bounce off you or one of those things you know it's just a nice process i think to even make that stuff and to have a kind of nice product at the end of it has to kind has to be enough in in some instances i think yeah, yeah, yeah. couldn't agree more and i think i think especially in in demoing it's actually a good opportunity to um flex a bit of muscle even regardless of whether it gets sold or whatever you tend because of the nature of demoing you're throwing your best ideas at them and you at least get to um, grow as a producer mm. and or whatever it is you're doing, you know. We touched on terms and conditions and caveats earlier. Are, are they the bane of your life, Dan? It's really weird. I remember, like, we've got some clients that absolutely detest them and the caveats themselves put people off from using radio. And yet I've got other clients, and I, I find this especially with national clients, that they over-caveat. They're almost that terrified of saying the wrong thing. They'll put in extra caveats that are just like, where did you get these from? You don't need these. And I, I remember hearing a, a, a national advert. It was a great advert. It could have had great comedy timing. And then for some reason, they shoved in this big 10-second caveat at the end. 
and it ruined the advert. And we got a chance to do something similar for the local equivalent of the the brand. Um, and we we did something very along those lines. And because we cut the caveat down, we had a chance for the advert to breathe and to work well. I find a lot of clients want that legal bit to feel separate to the creative so then they'll make a point for it to sound kind of as an add-on at the end which I'm really not keen on I guess it's a personal preference thing but I'd certainly rather hear an ad where there's a guy on a horse shouting T's and C's it's got to be lots more entertaining hasn't it yeah absolutely I think I think a good tester I always find um you know my family or whoever who just listen to the radio always remember uh, once my mother-in-law telling me that she thought it was a completely separate ad a caveat and she always thought, you know, she, she didn't think it was part of the same the same mm. thing. And then you've really lost the point there. If you know all that information that's supposed to be about what you what you're selling, the pe- the people listening don't even know it's um, tied to it. Mm. <laughs> and last time I was in the states, I heard uh, an, uh, an ad running uh, on a station there, and they put the caveat on the front of the ad, yeah. so it sounded like it related to the previous spot yeah. in the spot mm. set. Ooh, yeah, that's yeah. naughty. Yeah. Is that naughty or clever? Uh, well, I, mean, I don't know. I think the T's and C's in, in American ads are so quick. I mean, we think that we've got a problem. They well, you know, the RACC insists that we make caveats clear mm. as that's that's part of the clearance process. And in the States, you can hardly hear a word that's said. Yeah, and they submerge them in a music bed sometimes yeah, yeah. as well. Really naughty. Well, this leads us nicely into uh, Radio Centre's work on uh, terms and conditions and caveats. They've been putting their lobbying hat on in recent months and they've taken all these arguments that it's a compromise to the creativity of radio and the effectiveness of advertising, taken those arguments, packaged them up and taken them to the European Union to seek a change in the law that governs these things. Radio Centre's head of creative development is Claire Bowen. I spend a lot of my time going into advertising agencies and getting people to consider radio seriously as a creative channel. And very often the first question that comes back, but... When we're asked to make a 30-second ad and we have to do terms and conditions and that can run something to half or, or over half of the ad, that is a massive a practical creative challenge. And emotionally, of course, it, it, turns the, it turns the audience off. Now, legislation, of course, it comes from um, advertisers themselves. There are internal rules. It comes from, um, from UK legislation, from the BCAP code. And, of course, it, there, there are elements of it which are dependent on um, European agreement and European um, compliance. For the past few years, Radio Centre have been um, lobbying uh, long and hard at Brussels to try and change some of those uh, more fundamental uh, laws that are such an obstacle to the process. Um, The good news for us is that come September, Brussels will be revisiting it. It's still on the table and and will be taken to um, the next level. So regardless of of results of the referendum, um, we will continue to have a role in making sure that the best deal is met for, for advertisers and agencies. And what's at the heart of the argument that Radio Centre is making? ultimately that um, it is not helpful to the consumer. Um, These rules are in place so that the consumer is not misled, but come on, the reality is when you're hearing all these garbled T's and C's that aren't in normal human language, that isn't helpful to the consumer and and that fails in its supreme objective. And do politicians get that point, that there is no small print on the radio? I think some do and some don't. I think very often it's the case that it's not their number one priority. Um, So... I think the fact that we've made so much progress so far is helpful and it shows that people are listening. Um, But all these people are busy and there are lots of other issues on the table. So um, we'll have to see what happens next. And what reaction to the progress you've been making have you had from the industry so far? 
I think it's really positive, and I think not only from a radio perspective, but you know, subtitles are a problem for, for TV, and there's, there's growing talk about questioning of um, legislation for digital advertising. So I think the implications are actually quite broad. And I think um, and it is, it's a big old beast. I think people are glad that someone or an organisation um, is, is stepping in to, to address it head-on. So very positive so far. And, of course, at the heart of your work, Claire, is improving the creativity of uh, radio advertising because that in itself is a route to more effective advertising. You've had some real success in that area in the last year or so. Absolutely, and I think, um, well, for the benefit of... uh a bit of context setting. We're sitting here in the BBC, and BBC is fantastic heritage within um, radio creativity. Um, it's all about music. It's all about comedy. Um, it's about emotional response. Um, and in a commercial context, often we feel it's not re- realised to its full potential. And for a few years now, I've worked at Radio Centre, um, talking to people who who trying to win over their hearts and minds about, about the potential of it. It's not like shiny TV or, or, di- or digital advertising, but there's a purity and there's an emotional warmth. Actually, this afternoon I was at Walk um, attending uh, a talk about um, the link between creativity and effectiveness. And you know, we know when um, the creative work is good and the work is more effective, it makes, makes more money um, for the advertiser. So there's a business argument, not just the fact that we want to hear more entertaining things as human beings. Um, for many years, uh, the DNAD Awards, it's been absolutely dominated by South Africa, namely. Um, South Africa, um, Australia and uh, America continue to make great sort of brand-building, emotionally-led radio advertising. UK haven't won uh, a yellow pencil at DNAD for 11 years, and happily, this year, um, Ogilvy Mather were awarded a yellow pencil for they are their Dove self-conscious campaign. There's a suite of three ads. Um, I do advise you to listen to them. Well, don't just advise them. Claire, press that button over there and we can hear one of them. Here's the button and this is a Tongue by Ogilvy Mather for Dove. The more someone makes you think about your body, the harder it becomes to ignore. Your tongue, for example... Usually you hardly notice it's there, but when I mention it, you can feel your tongue bumping against your lower front teeth, the tips just resting on them. You notice your tongue feels just a little too long for your mouth, and you notice it never really lies still. You move it about constantly, without thinking about it, backwards and forwards, and from side to side. Suddenly it feels strangely wet and heavy in your mouth, doesn't it? A few seconds ago, you hardly noticed your tongue, but just one message ensured that you can't stop thinking about it. Now imagine the hundreds of messages girls are exposed to every day, subtly changing the way they think about their bodies. See how you can help with the Dove Self-Esteem Project at selfesteem.dove.co.uk. Claire Bowen of Radio Centre, playing that Dove ad there, constantly encouraging the creative renaissance of radio advertising, and also, as you heard, lobbying politicians who probably didn't have all that caveat stuff on their radar before her intervention. I'd like to hear now about the stuff that inspires you. And you, Rick and Dan, work together very much as a creative team. Is that inspiration enough? Yeah, I think it's really important to us. There's, I mean, in my position here, I do produce for the whole group, but I am based at Signal. Um, and one benefit me and Dan have from being in the, you know, in the same building that we don't have a similar benefit with, say, 
uh, our writers in Swansea or Wigan or wherever is that we can, you know, work face to face. I think face to face collaboration is a huge thing for us and probably something Dan um, is a, a bit of a benefit from, really, that the other writers in our group don't have. I think as well, com- coming from a large commercial radio background into a, a smaller production company, I, feel, I t- couldn't agree with you guys more that the team that I, that I work in inspire me every day. They're in, enormously talented and we quite often on larger pitches we brainstorm ideas and we you know we can take two weeks doing that and putting our heads together inevitably brings out the best ideas yeah definitely yeah well rick and dan you brought some um audio that's inspired you as well do you want to just uh, cue us up on this one yeah this was a this was a little weird one it was this came off the back of um a demo i did the other week actually and as i've just said about um encouraging writers to throw ideas at me uh, one of our writers sent me this clip and it's a clip from the series Mad Men I don't know if you guys have seen it um, and it was stylistically there basically the, he wanted the voiceover to be in this sort of character in this sort of delivery but I watched this and it stuck with me ever since because I watched this scene and first of all the delivery in the way he's speaking actually really hit me in terms of how understated you can be while still getting a message across but what he says is really interesting as well, and it's um, it's a concept. Uh, I won't spoil it, but the concept has stuck with me ever since, and I think it's something I'm going to kind of carry with me for a while now. Technology is a glittering lure, but uh, there's the rare occasion when the public can be engaged on a level beyond flash if they have a sentimental bond with the product. My first job... I was in-house at a fur company with this old pro copywriter, Greek, named Teddy. And Teddy told me the most important idea in advertising is new. Creates an itch. You simply put your product in there as a kind of calamine lotion. But he also talked about a deeper bond with the product. Nostalgia. It's delicate. The first thing that struck me with that in terms of nostalgia, and actually Dan Dan is sat next to me here with a Coca-Cola T-shirt on, and uh, I mean, we obviously know they're a company who know how to advertise, but I thought about the Christmas ads, the holidays are coming, you know, fleet of lorries ads, and that made me think nostalgia straight away because, you know, I'm Christmas is nearly upon us, especially in radio advertising. I've been making Christmas ads for about four months now. But, oh, you poor um, man. <laughs> but, you know, I think 31-year-old man, when that first Coca-Cola um, Santa truck ad comes on, I get excited because of the nostalgia of remembering mm-hmm. watching it when I was six and seven years old. And and sound, of course, is a great mechanism for transporting people back in time. We wouldn't be playing oldies on the radio, reminding people of their childhood if that wasn't the case. Exactly, yeah. Um, I think music is a huge thing, you know. In, in radio advertising, you haven't got much time to put your listener in the place you want them. Think about your target audience. What would make them nostalgic uh, about your product, you know? And it's, it's a really intriguing, interesting thought to me that... I want to try and employ a bit more, I think. I think you're right. I think any any opportunity we get to use emotion 
as a way to connect with people that for me is what is so unique about radio and the fact that we can conjure images in individuals minds we can take people to to places to points of time we can create individual images for each person it's it's the most powerful medium in that respect Sara what inspires you um, well, actually, linking on really well from what you guys are talking about, there's, um, I've got a piece of audio here from the British Red Cross. It's, I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard it. It's renowned. It's um, one of the first things I heard, I think, when I got into production. It's about two and a half minutes long, but it's certainly worth listening to. And it, it really, I, I listen to it now and I still get um, my hair stand on end. If you've ever thought you were too busy to attend a first aid course, we suggest you listen to the following recording of a 999 call. It's between a paramedic and a young mother who's just discovered her 13-month-old baby has stopped breathing and turned blue. Hello. Hello. Right, have you got the baby with you now? Yeah, I have. She's in your hands. She's on her back. No, she's, she's in the car. She's in the car in front of me on her back. Okay, then lift her up. Are you left or right-handed? Right. Okay, lift her up and put her in your left arm. Right. Okay, now... Yeah. Is the head flopped backwards? flopping backwards, not a lot, just a little bit. Yes, you know, just a bit flopping. Right, okay. Now put your mouth over her mouth and nose and blow in gently. Blow in the mouth? Blow in the mouth and nose gently. Okay, so her chest rises a little bit. Okay. Have you done that? Right, has she done anything? Um, no. Okay, do it again. Okay. Okay, is she breathing yet? No. No, okay. Take two fingers in the middle of the chest, right? Yes. And press gently about five times, quickly. Okay? Yes. Is she doing anything now? No. Okay. Like you did before, twice. In her mouth. In her mouth and nose. Any reaction? No. No, okay. With your fingers again in the middle of the chest, 15 times, quickly. Red Cross on 0245 490 090 and ask about a short first aid course near you. Unless, that is, you're still too busy. Well, it's worth listening to all the way through. In fact, you can't turn that off or fade it down halfway, can you, Sarah? It's so incredibly captivating and, and you're right when you say that that is real audio. Um, and for me, the, the minute you hear the child cry... I just get goosebumps and I, I've heard this audio again and again. The only thing I'm not massively keen on is the unless you're too busy at the end. It feels a little bit judgmental and I don't think it's necessary. Um, but you're right, you know, if that were edited, you, you kind of need to feel that that process. And it's such, and then, you know, we can all see that woman and we can see that child. And that's, some, that's something that TV and and billboard don't give it you. It does. And it, it's uh, it's just incredibly powerful. I, I've 
I just said to Dan as we were listening to it, actually, we've both heard that before. And that particular ad um, was used in one of our creative days a while ago as something to aspire to. So just to kind of... Uh, you know, say how good we thought that was. We've we've heard it before and thought it was utterly fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's really powerful. And listening to the listening to the ambulance man on the phone makes you feel how inconsequential our own jobs are. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, my my wife's a GP, and I get that kind of feeling every day when I go home. <laughs> you know, I kind of I love my job, but she, um, we'll share stories from my day, and she'll have something along those lines that we've just heard and I'll have, well, uh, you know, my phone didn't really work very well today. <laughs> you mentioned your creative days. What do you do on those? It's it's just a chance because of the nature that we're, you know, we are a group, um, we're dotted all around the country. It's a chance to bring everyone together face-to-face in the knowledge of the value of, you know, what we said about working face-to-face. It's something we try to do as regularly as we can, um, get everyone together, um, share ideas um, and just generally keep those relationships. And, and, you know, we do get new writers every now and then, new producers, so it's a chance for uh, people to meet each other, really, which is, is really important. And, Sarah, at Maple Street Studios, you work with Neil Cowling. How do you and Neil keep everything creatively fresh? I think it's, as I mentioned before, we try and brainstorm as much as possible and we try and keep our clients and agencies as informed as possible about what we do I think you can take for granted that people understand radio creative but really it is a niche it is a niche thing so we'll often have our agencies in for kind of similar to what you're talking about creative days where we'll talk about audio and we'll mock up some scripts and just kind of immerse them in our world a little bit and it makes the process so much easier going forward when you do get a brief well thank you Sarah thank you Rick and Dan for sharing your audio and your insights and your thoughts generally on radio advertising today it's been great to have you on the podcast thank you for having us thank, thank you very you. much all the show notes and the pictures we're going to take pictures and Dan and and Rick you're going to have to send a picture down please selfie uh, there's a uh, challenge yeah I've never taken a selfie you'll have to show me how to do it well we're going to put it <laughs> with the links and the notes uh, from the show on the Earshot website which you'll find at earshotcreative.com and if you're new to Earshot then you should know that earshotcreative.com is also a great place to find our episodes going back years there's lots of uh, these podcasts not quite back to Marconi's time but 30 or so shows in there to enjoy and listeners might like to know as they used to say on the radio uh, that earshot is surfaced as a podcast yes you can subscribe uh, with your favorite podcast app to get every edition of this show direct to you all the details again at earshotcreative.com we're recording this on the day that the uh, first radar figures have come out for a whole slew of new digital radio stations you've got a bunch of those in the wireless group haven't you we do, yeah. We, uh, as part of a, um, you know, a bid. That was the word I was after. As part of a bid last year, we launched uh, Virgin Radio. We launched Talksport Two and Talk Radio, and this was the, um, yeah, this was the first radar for those stations. Of which Virgin uh, was really pleasing, the, the radar results on that one. That was really good. Yeah, more than 400,000 in the first period. Correct. That's not a bad start. Not bad at all. And so. it's been interesting in recent weeks to see in the advertising for these new stations and to hear on the radio instructions to retune your DAB radio to pick up these new stations. But as our final audio for today demonstrates, back in the 1970s, retuning wasn't so simple. BBC Radio announces important changes from the 23rd of November 19...
1978. The principal new frequencies and wavelengths will be as follows. Radio 1 will be on 105.3 and 108.9 kilohertz. Which is to say where wavelengths are concerned, 285 and 275 meters. Radio 2, brackets in kilohertz, close brackets, will be on 693 and 909, which is in wavelengths 433 and 330. Radio 3, as you might expect, will be different from the others, in that there is no choice of frequency and no alternative wavelength. The frequency is 12.15, and as the wavelength will be 247 meters, it will be renamed Wonderful Radio 3. Moving now from the medium to the long we shall be principally concerned with Radio 4. This can be discovered on 200 kHz or 1500 meters. As a last reminder, the aforementioned changes in wavelengths and frequencies in some cases and lack of changes in wavelengths and frequencies in others as outlined above will come to pass in 1978 on the 23rd of November. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I now know what Alan Jones was doing in those years. Yeah. <laughs> Puts our jingles to shame. Yeah. Well, I hope you're taking notes there. Uh, thank you for being within Earshot. Thank you. Yay. Earshot with Steve Martin.